Thanks, it's, it's great to be here, and um, uh, one of the things I love to do is uh, this. Uh, I, I love the seminary classroom, I love teaching and preaching, uh, but I love getting out on weekends in uh, churches like this. I'll be at your Erie campus next week, uh, preaching on Revelation as well. And, and it seems like once people find out you have an interest in Revelation, you, they call on you to preach on Revelation. And I love to do that. I, I, I'll never back down uh, from doing that. But I'm, I'm thrilled that you're doing that. I, I'm, I'm so happy and thrilled to see churches uh, studying the book of Revelation and preaching and teaching through it because I think it's a book that gets ignored and uh, uh, often we shy away from it. We're afraid of it. We're not sure what to do with it. And um, uh, I'm just thrilled that uh, your church is uh, considering the book of Revelation working through it. Uh, let's open with prayer this morning. Father, we come before you and we ask your presence to fill this room as we undertake the, the enormous task and the humbling task of proclaiming in reading and thinking about your word. So Father, we ask for your guidance, for your presence. Lord, may your spirit fill us, that we would have a greater understanding of just part of your revelation and what it means to worship you, what it means to follow you in obedience. We commit this morning to you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I just realized I walked up here without my Bible, so. There we go. It doesn't inspire much confidence in your speaker this morning. But <laughs> we're all human, yes. All right, uh, so we're going to talk about the book of Revelation, especially chapter 5. Usually when we think of the book of Revelation, the first thing our mind goes to is end time stuff, right? At least that's the way I was raised. And you do find that in the book of Revelation, especially the last three chapters or so, you find a grand vision of the wrap-up of history and the return of Jesus Christ and what will take place. And you even get kind of snapshots of that throughout Revelation leading up to that. But I would suggest to you, Revelation is not primarily a book about end time stuff. Revelation is primarily a book about worship. In fact, I think the whole purpose of the book is to answer the question, who is really worthy of your worship? Who is it that is worthy of your allegiance and your devotion and your time and worship. That question was important for the very first readers of Revelation. Because they lived at that time, during that time, they lived, all the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3 lived at the heart of the Roman Empire. And Caesar sat in his throne, the ruler of the universe, as he would have considered himself. And the Roman Empire was at the center of the universe and was everything. And they owed a debt of gratitude to Rome and to the Caesar. And, and even 
had opportunities to give him allegiance and worship. And so into that setting comes the book of Revelation. A prophetic word from God to the churches to reorient them to what is their proper object of worship. Where should their allegiance be? Where should their worship be? And I think that's what the whole book of Revelation is about. It's meant to ask the question, who is worthy of our worship? It's, it's meant to reorient our focus. And you think about it. There are so many things that compete, even good things, that compete for our focus and our attention and our allegiance today. And the book of Revelation, and what I hope to do today, is, is to help us to refocus our vision, to refocus our attention on what is the true object of our worship. And even answer the question, why do we come and worship? In chapter 5, we actually get to, in chapter 4 and 5 actually, we, we get to listen in on someone else's worship service. And we get to listen in, we have the privilege of listening in to heaven's worship service. In chapter 4, you saw last week a a vision of of God sitting on His throne high and exalted uh, above all of creation. And for that reason, because He's holy and sovereign over all things and He's the Creator of all, for that reason, He is worthy of worship. But chapter 4 actually sort of just provides the setting for what's going to take place in chapter 5. If, if you ever watch a movie or you ever re- liked reading novels or whatever, usually the first uh, you know, few minutes of the movie sets the scene and sets the stage for what's going to take place next. Or the first chapter or so of a good novel sets the scene or stage and introduces you to the main characters and the main, uh, the main scenes and the main issues that will take place and, and be resolved in the rest of the book. And that's kind of what's going on here. Chapter 4 is the setting. It it sets the stage and the scene for the main event that's going to happen in chapter 5. And in chapter 5, we find the answer to that question, who is worthy of our worship? And why do we worship? Look with me at Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open this scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. So I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Then one of the elders, you saw the 24 elders back in chapter 4, one of those elders said to me, do not weep. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I turned and I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out unto all the earth. He came and he took the scroll 
from the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. And when He had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. And each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To Him who sits in the throne and to the Lamb be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Wow, what a scene. And in chapter 5, we encounter this scene of heavenly worship that begins with God sitting on the throne. We saw that in chapter 4. God is seated on His throne, but now He's pictured as holding a scroll. And without going into a lot of detail, most likely this scroll contains God's plan of redemption. It contains God's plan to bring salvation and judgment upon the earth. Salvation for God's people, but judgment of evil and wickedness. And the problem that you're introduced to, just you know, like in a, a good movie or a good novel where, where there's a, a problem or a tension that needs to be resolved. The problem that needs to be solved is there's no one worthy to open this scroll. And a search goes on throughout all of heaven and earth and under the earth, all creation, and no one is found worthy that can open this scroll because this scroll contains God's plan of salvation and judgment. And there must be someone worthy who can open it. And to open it means to enact it. To enact its context contents, to set it into motion, to set God's plan of redemption and salvation into motion, but no one is found worthy to do that. And because of that, John weeps. Now when you read this, you probably think, oh, that's, that's a, you know, kind of a nice touch that John weeps because no one's found open to open the scroll. But think about it. Why does John weep? Because If there's no one worthy to open the scroll, there's no salvation for you and me. If there's no one worthy to open the scroll, there is no redemption. If there's no one worthy to open the scroll, there is no justice. And that's why John weeps. And an elder comes to him and says, well, don't weep because there actually is someone worthy to open the scroll. And the lion of the tribe of Judah who is overcome is worthy to open the scroll. But it's interesting, when John turns to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, instead he sees a lamb 
standing as if slain. The lamb is an image that comes out of the Old Testament. The sacrificial lamb that the Israelites sacrificed for the sins of the people. And the high priest would offer up as a sacrifice for the sins of Israel. And especially on the Day of Atonement, the lamb that would be slain on behalf of the sins of the priest and the people. And now Jesus Christ is that slain lamb who has offered Himself up as a sacrifice for the sins of you and I. And we're told this lamb walks up to the throne and simply snatches the scroll from the hand of the one seated on the throne. Think about it. What kind of lamb is this? What kind of person is this that can just walk up to the throne of God and take the scroll from His hand? And, And notice too, it's interesting, the lamb just kind of appears and emerges in the midst of the throne. Remember, John has already looked throughout all creation. In heaven and earth and under the earth, John has left no stone unturned. It's not as if you know he said, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't see the lamb kind of hiding behind the throne." No, he's looked everywhere, and all of a sudden, this lamb emerges from the center of the throne, and and just walks up and takes the scroll out of the hand of God in the throne. And what follows next is astonishing. All of heaven breaks out in worship because the Lamb is worthy to take the scroll, to open it, to set its contents into motion, to bring it to fulfillment. This scroll that contains God's plan of redemption for you and me, of salvation, of justice in this world. The Lamb now sets it in motion. And because of that, all of heaven breaks out in worship. You know, I, I think, when, at least when I read this chapter, sometimes I, I tend to domesticate it a little bit. I, you know, I think of a big just standing up there singing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And, but I think, it's, I think it's more something like this. I, I like to use this illustration. Uh, imagine, you, <laughs> for some of you, you're going to really have to imagine really hard, that the Rockies are in the World Series. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, and they're, uh, they're in the same boat. There's not much hope for them right now. Anyway, l- imagine the Rockies are in the World Series. It's the ninth inning. The Rockies are out in the field. They only have a one-run lead. There's ninth inning, two outs. There's a a full count, three balls, two strikes. Bases are loaded, and the star hitter, the, the, the best hitter in the league, is up to the opposing team. And if you ever watch a situation like that, it's dead silent in the stadium. And, and everybody's sitting like this, and some of them have their backs turned because they can't stand to watch it. And everyone's waiting. And when that final pitch crosses the plate, the umpire says strike three, and the Rockies win. 
the stadium erupts and confetti goes up and fireworks go off. The whole stadium just erupts in elation. That's what's going on here in chapter 5. Heaven erupts. It's as if they're waiting in silence and waiting in anticipation for someone to take the scroll. And now that someone is worthy, walks up to the throne and snatches it, heaven erupts in worship. And here's what they sing. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchase people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign in the earth. And the next song they sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then finally they break out and sing to Him who sits in the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the elders and the four living creatures fall down on their face in worship. Kind of interesting when, when you when you look at this, the the it's 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 like a, a throwing a rock in a lake and the ripples just spread and spread and spread. The worship starts with it, it moves out into larger and larger concentric circles in heaven. It starts with the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures, then to myriads and myriads of angels in in verses eleven and twelve, and then finally in thirteen, all of creation. Everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in it, everything breaks out in praise and worship to God and the Lamb. Did you see that here? To Him who sits on the throne, God from chapter 4, and the Lamb. God and the Lamb are on the same throne receiving the same worship. In a book where twice... Twice, John bowed down, I think it's chapter 16, and then in, in, uh, at the end of the book in chapter, um, chapter 20, uh, 22, John bows down to worship an angel, and what does the angel say? Twice in the book, don't worship me, worship God alone. In a book where worshiping anything else but God is outright idolatry, how is it that Jesus can sit on the same throne and receive the same worship if He Himself is not God? And that's why, that's why He just emerges in the middle of the throne. That's why He can walk up and just take the scroll out of the hand of the one in the throne. Because this Lamb Himself is God. He shares in the very identity and the very being and the essence and character of who God is. He is God Himself. And for that reason, He is able to accomplish God's plan of redemption and salvation through His shed blood and offer up that eternal sacrifice for our sins and to secure our salvation.
the Lamb is worthy of our worship simply because He has accomplished redemption through His death on the cross. That's why they worship Him in heaven. You know, ask yourself, why, why did you come here this morning? Why, why worship? Oh, maybe you think, well, that's what we do on Sunday. Or, or maybe you think, um, you know, my parents made me come. That's usually why I went growing up. Or, or maybe we have this idea that, you know, God's kind of, we haven't paid much attention to God and the Lamb in heaven, and they, they're kind of getting lonely, and they can't wait until Sunday when people gather and give them attention. Why do you come here and worship? We worship, we come to worship, worship the Lamb solely because He is worthy of it. It's because of who He is and what He has accomplished. And when we reflect on that, when we are confronted with that, when we get a vision of that, we can't help fall down and worship the Lamb sitting on the throne. That's why they worship Him in heaven. And that's why we worship Him on earth. So what, what difference does this all make? Uh, first of all, as I just said, this passage tells us why we worship. We come to worship the Lamb Solely because of who He is and what He has done. Because of who the Lamb is and what He has accomplished on our behalf by providing redemption, by purchasing people from every tribe and language and tongue. That is why we worship. But second, when you and I worship, when we come and worship, we actually join in heaven in acknowledging who God is and who the Lamb is. We join with heaven. This morning as we gather here, we join heaven in acknowledging the centrality of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and what He has accomplished on His behalf. We acknowledge His worthiness of our, uh, to receive our worship. We join heaven in that. In a sense, when we worship, heaven comes down to earth. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would we acknowledge Jesus Christ, God's will in heaven, it, the, the perfect worship that is offered to God and the Lamb in heaven comes down to earth. God's kingdom comes to earth when you and I worship. A little bit of heaven touches down on earth when we worship, when we join heaven in acknowledging who God is and who the Lamb is and what He has accomplished and when we acknowledge His worthiness to receive our worship. Then finally, when you and I worship, we anticipate a day in the future when all creation will worship, bow down, and worship God and the Lamb seated on the throne. If you want to get a vision of that, wait till we get to chapter 21 and 22. Revelation 21 and 22, we see 
the final day when, all, when the, the throne of God and the Lamb are at the center of a new creation and all of God's people and all creation worship Him and acknowledge who God and the Lamb are and their worthiness. And when we gather this morning, as we sit here this morning, we are a foretaste of, we are an anticipation of, we are a snapshot of that worship that will one day take place in a new creation. When all God's people and all creation worship God and the Lamb. See, only the Lamb, only God and the Lamb are worthy of our worship. And we worship the Lamb because of what He has accomplished. Because through His death on the cross, He has provided for our salvation and our redemption. That's why they worship Him in heaven. And that's why we worship Him. In closing the prayer, what I'd like to do is read part of Revelation chapter 5 again. What I, I want you to do, I, I think, uh, like I said, I, uh, my purpose is to get us to reorient our, our vision, our attention back on Jesus Christ as the only one worthy of our worship. And, and in a sense, I think one of the reasons John writes like he did and records this vision he saw is so that in a sense, in reading it, we can re-experience what it is he saw and experienced. So I'd like you to close your eyes in prayer and, and maybe, if it helps, try to envision as I read this. Try to envision the scene and being part of this scene of worshiping the Lamb. Then I saw a Lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven, seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out unto the earth. He came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat in the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased people for, for, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped.